yeah we'll just like you know if i get good at this just leave in the first like two notes and then overlay it with the actual music that doesn't suck and then cut out this part Stuart, cut out this part all right well you know you ready to talk about uh this episode emancipation emancipation do you have a proclamation about this episode i do this is season one episode four emancipation as we said the synopsis while negotiating for weapons inhabitants of the planet samarca are exposed to carter who causes them to rethink the role of women in their society so tell me what do you remember about this episode um honestly not that much i remember hating it yeah so i've only ever well before today when i rewatched it i think i had only ever seen it once yes i remember it being troublesome um like i remember being super sexist but other than that like yes not much yes and i'll tell you this much the synopsis doesn't no not a great synopsis first of all not a great synopsis at all they never tell us that the planet's called Simarca, so, okay. Um, and I and, feel like there weren't really negotiations for weapons. Yeah, no, they were negotiating for medicine, if yeah. anything. Like, at the very end, there's a thing with the weapon, but that was only, like, as a... Yeah, anyway. you won't take 500 gold, how about 12 bullets? So, this episode is important in one way it is the first episode that starts on an alien planet yes we open with carter walking through the gate solo uh and of course if all you had was uh the synopsis you might think for that first brief second or so oh only carter a and then of course there's sg1 yeah they step down the ramp they get you know they're there all these ruins and then Teal gives us the ever helpful statement of this temple was destroyed long ago. Gee, Teal, what gave you that idea? Right? The fact that there's only like four boulders left? You know about military technology, so you might be able to tell me why does Jack have like a weird electronic binocular thing that only has one eye hole but two lenses to look through? Or to that but two like lenses on the other side? Um, I don't know 100% for sure, but my best guess is that one of those lenses is night vision. It might be a monocular. Ah, oh, that would make sense. With a, with, a, with, a, with a compound eyepiece so that, you know, he can switch to the night vision at night. This is Stuart's guess. I was right, wondering sure. why it beeped all the time. Yeah, I was also wondering about that. That doesn't seem very, you know, tactical to have it be constantly low-level beeping. All the time. What are the beeps telling him? Like, there's a tree, there's a tree, there's a tree. More trees. Yeah. So anyway, they hear dogs. They hear and, dogs. And uh, dude comes running away from the dogs. Crying in English for health. Yes. And that part is bad enough, but then when, like, after they scare away the dogs. Mm-hmm. And Jack's asking if he's okay. Jack's like, wait, well, maybe he doesn't know what okay means. So he sort of repeats himself slower. He's like, no, the kid totally knows 20th century American slang. Yeah, no, I touched on that too uh, on my second watching. The first watching, it was simply like, why do they all speak English? Why couldn't we have gotten like a 30-second throwaway thing from the first episode where they all get weird alien 
babblefish or something. Right. You know, Teal'c is like, you know, one of the side effects of being a Jaffa is I can secrete a thing that gives you the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Don't ask me why I have this ability. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean... Okay, suspension of disbelief. We're, you know, because I'm totally bought in on the Stargate itself. It's the deciduous forest and everyone speaking English that irks me. So, uh, then, like, they're introducing themselves to the kid, and... Right. And, oh, yeah, I guess I, I said dude earlier. But it's like a teenager. Yeah, yeah, he's, you know, like, 15, 16. Yeah. Anyway, uh, when he realizes that Sam is a woman, he kind of freaks out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, also, one thing I noticed, they're still... Every character is still calling... Except Jack uh, is still calling Sam Dr. Carter. I noticed that, too, a little bit later. Because Teal calls her Dr. Carter, and that's definitely, like, I know later in the show, he definitely refers to her by her military rank. The, her ever-changing one, yes. Yes. And Daniel, of course, once they know each other better, just starts calling her Sam. Right. So, yeah, so, they, you know, they save the kid, uh, they're all speaking English, then suddenly more people show up, and also start freaking out because Carter is a woman. How dare she? Right. And we get to the tense thing where they pull their swords and knock a you know uh, knock an arrow and and then we get the theme. You know, boom, commercial cut theme, and then post theme immediate resolution of the problem because they have guns. Speaking of the theme, did you notice that frequently? Uh, the music playing in the background was just, like, orchestral the Stargate theme. I noticed the music in that I noticed the music. I knew there was music happening. So, no. Like, I picked up, like, for some reason it, it just, like, stuck out to me that, like, oh, that's just the theme again. Right. I mean, now I'm going to. Thanks. <laughs> but I think I have noticed, you know, the... The music in the background is not complex. It's not... No. There's the Stargate one, and then there's another one where they go, uh, usually for, like, some sort of discovery where it's like... Yes. Yeah. Anyway. I'm sorry to subject the listeners to my attempt at melody. Yeah, we'll just, like, you know, if I get good at this, just leave in the first, like, two notes and then overlay it with the actual music that doesn't suck, and then cut out this part. Stuart, cut out this part. <laughs> so anyway, uh, another guy comes up. He's mm -hmm. going to be the father of the kid. Who, and... who, upon finding out that they, including Carter, the woman, who he has just pr pronounced, must be put to death for speaking... Uh, then says, oh, wait, you saved my son. Uh, well, if a woman saved a life, then hers cannot be taken. I totally didn't make up this law just now. Yeah, that seems a little convenient. Right, and just you know, how it's delivered definitely makes it feel like, well, uh, if it's Tuesday and she saves a life, then she also gets a balloon. Yeah. So, and we head back to the village where everyone's really excited to see Abu. He's apparently, like, the coolest guy in the whole village. Well, I guess, like, he had been missing for a bit. 
or something. They don't really go over that. Right. But my thought is, having now watched the episode, he had probably been, like, sneaking a visit with the girl he's in love with. And that's why he's being chased by dogs. Sure. I mean, you don't think it's the other people's dogs. I I, I just took them as just wild dogs. Eh, I mean, they could be, but I, I'm thinking it's probably, like, yeah, the attack dogs of that other guy. So what's what happened next? They were in the tent with the... And Daniel's geeking out about it being a pure Mongol culture. Right. Yes. I'm looking forward to further Daniel geek outs about you know, weird cultural garbage. Oh, yeah. And uh, Abu's father, whom I cannot recall his name, you might. Nope. Never mind. Okay. Old Mongol dude comes into the tent and tells Carter, hey, you can talk now. Right. So, yeah, apparently they reveal now that the that their old laws have said that women can't talk or show their faces outside. Right. But they do sort of show that this guy may be like what passes for a liberal in these in these world in this world, and saying that someday soon the old laws will go away. The guy's the chief. Can't he just make the laws go away? You would think. I do think. Can I so, say? And then he says that they have drugs of unheard power. Yes. And all I can think is, ugh, so dank. So, anyway, they talk about how, ooh, and Carter wants to see these drugs, because mm-hmm. this is, you know, science things are for Carter to geek out, just like anthropological things are for Daniel to geek out. Right. And uh, she's told that she can't go outside until she's dressed like a woman, because it's death for a woman to dress like a man. Yes. There's a lot of ways that a woman gets killed in this society, it seems. Yeah, like, I'm surprised they have any left. That's what I'm saying, right? So if she goes to be dressed like a woman. And the and Abu shows Daniel, Jack, and Teal, a warrior that has been tended with one of their medicines who is healing very well. Is he? It didn't look... It did I mean, kind of still look like a gaping wound. Right. I think the big point they were trying to make was that, you know, I applied the treatment, whatever that was, and he immediately felt no pain. Like, well, that is... Cool, but, I mean, you know. You know, we already have, like, you know, morphine. Right, but, you know, maybe this is non-addictive morphine-esque stuff that works. I don't know, who cares. They go back to the tent to catch up with Carter, who is wearing a ridiculous outfit, as she points out. Yes. And Abu is gaping at her and remarks that she's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. Which is interesting, since we know that Abu is, is like, madly in love with the, with another woman. We don't know this yet, but... Uh, we in the future know. Yes. <laughs> you, know, the, you know, the future we. But it's the rest of SG-1 also kind of gaping at her that really bothers me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can almost understand Jack, because we're still only... Three episodes in of... Technically four. This... Well, no, because the second episode is when the team formed. Uh, ah, good call. Of the team having been formed and them working together, although future we finds out that, no, they've been on... You know, we're not seeing a 
chronological staging of their mission. Yeah, they totally mentioned another planet, so, like, they right. must have been to a few. Right. Otherwise, it would have been just that last planet we went to, and not right. P3, 9, whatever. Right. But, the, you know, the point is that he's still not 100% on board with Carter being on his team, but what's Jackson's excuse for, you know, being Gaping like an idiot? Right. Yeah, because, like, my thing with that is, it's not even, like, yeah, she, like, if they had laughed, I would get that, because it looks right. ridiculous, but it's not like she's, like, wearing a bikini or something, which even then, you know, you still don't gape, because, dude. Right. Dude. I mean, this was, what, 02? Uh, no, this was, like, 97, dude. So, like, yeah, so, like, 0102? <laughs> of 97? Uh, <laughs> right, so it's you know you you look at stuff like this and realize that although it might feel like ten years ago, it was twenty years ago, that there has been there has and hasn't been at least some significant advancement in terms of what we expect out of our characters. Yeah, because seeing this the first time, I probably would not have even touched on or thought about the idea of the rest of the team members also sort of gaping at her, whereas now it just feels really weird and awkward and out of place in light of them supposed supposing supposed to be a a unit, a team, and in light of these spoilers, they all become great friends uh, <laughs> aspect of it years <laughs> down the road. Yeah, it, it, it particularly stood out. But yeah, and I think that that's definitely, I mean, that is also a thing of societal progress. This this entire episode would, probably wouldn't have happened today, and if it had, it would have gone very differently. Yes, but at least they did get this out of their system early. The, oh, we need one of our team members to be captured and sold as a slave. And of course it's going to be the hot one, or in our case, the only female on the team. Because that's yeah. definitely a trope in sci-fi. Oh, yeah. It's even a trope in, in Stargate. How many times did uh, Dr. Keller get captured on Atlantis? At least twice. Yeah, but one time it was she was captured explicitly because she was a doctor. That's true. And so in that case, that's the other different trope of people <laughs> being captured. Yeah. I, I don't know if Keller was ever captured explicitly because she was a woman. That's fair. Or to be sold. You know, people being captured, whatever. That happens on every sitcom on TV. But, you know, the woman of the group, if multiple women, the most attractive woman of the group, being captured to be sold and treated as property. That explicit trope, I'm glad that Stargate was able to get out of their system early. And we'll see how wrong I will be as we continue through these episodes and find out that it happens, I don't know, eight more times that I forgot because it's troublesome every time. So, anyway. Yes. Uh, Carter talks about how it's, you know, kind of ridiculous that she gets to hang out in the tent while they have a fun party. Right. And then we cut to the party, and then yes. Carter lying in her tent, and I feel like a gratuitous shot of cleavage. And, sure. and Which is not, which is the first, but not the last gratuitous shot of her cleavage for this episode. No. <laughs> and we see her being abducted at knife point. We can't forget 
you know, jacks gratuitous cleavage shot. Spoilers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, and she is being abducted at knife point by, based on my estimation of proximity and stance and everything, it seems like multiple people. Because the way the hand comes down with the knife to her throat, and then the foot goes down on the weapon, and the directions of all these things, there's multiple people in the tent, but later we find out that no, it's just Abu who is going to trade Carter for the thing that he loves more than life itself. And I'm thinking that this is some sort of like freedom play of his own, not seeing the irony of selling someone into servitude in order for like his own freedom from his culture. But no, it's so that he can sell someone to servitude to buy someone else. <laughs> yep. So, and then we have Daniel and Jack seeing that Sam's missing. And Jack's like, all right, we got a problem. And... Daniel's like, well, let me talk to the chief first. This might be another cultural thing. It's like, what? Right, yeah. Also, when Jack comes into the tent, Daniel's just, like, hanging out there on the floor as if... So, I mean, Daniel was the first one to discover that Carter was missing. And when Jack then comes into the tent after the interlude scene with Abu, I think that was what it was, or maybe getting to the enemy camp or something. But anyway, when we cut back to the tent... Jackson's sitting there as if he's like, oh no, Carter's gone. And then he just sat down on the floor for the next yep. 20 minutes until Jack just happened to like wander into the tent. Like, that's how it yeah. looks. Well, Jack does say any sign. So it, right, it yeah, no, seems we, no, we, we, Jack yeah, already we, knows that she's missing. Yes, we, we promptly find out that what, that was not the case. But like by all appearances, it was sort of like, oh, Carter's gone. That said, <sighs> it was still weird that with Carter being gone, Daniel was just sort of sitting in the tent. Just hanging out. You know, Teal's off doing useful things like tracking misshapen hoof prints. Yeah. You know. So, so when Teal reveals the misshapen hoof print, yes. uh, the chief says, oh, that's my son's horse, and I have no idea why he ran away. Right. But I'll help you find him because it was a total dick move by my son. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you, you have to know something. And he mentions that, yeah, women are actually property, so he's probably going to sell her. Right. And then we get the secondary trope of, no, 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 we don't keep people as property anymore. Really? Yes. Oh. Neat. So then Abu brings Carter to the enemy camp. Yes. And the the bad chief comes out. Bad Brandishing chief. a sword, no less. Uh, and talking to Abu, and Abu's like, I came here to trade. And he points out Carter. And then we get the creepy scene with, well, first off, we have the weird scene where in, like, nomad Mr. Rogers fashion, the bad chief goes into his tent, takes off his shirt, and puts on another shirt. Right. On the bright side, we don't get, although we are still on showtime at this point, and definitely could have, when he says, show her to me, we don't get... I totally thought that's where it was going to go. Yes, because I don't... Because like you, I'd only seen the episode once before, many, many moons ago, and did not recall exactly. I knew that the first episode was the only one with full frontal nudity, but I thought they were going to strip her and we would just see the back. Right, and just making it... I can't say for sure, really, if that would have made it all that much worse. Not really. Right, just considering, you know, everything else that 
was yeah. going on in this episode. So he Turgan. makes a turn around at knife point. Yeah. Turgon okay. is the enemy chief. Bad chief. Cool. Mogul. Mogul is the good chief. Okay. Abu, Jorge Vargas, was a power ranger. Okay. Which power ranger? He was Blake Bradley in Power Rangers Ninja Storm. I think that was after our childhood. It was after our childhood. Uh, I can't tell what color ranger he was. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. I was thinking black. Did you know that the yellow Power Ranger was not a woman in the original Japanese version? No, but it doesn't surprise me. That's why she doesn't wear a skirt. So anyway, we now we are it, we now have the revelation that Abu hasn't been intending to trade Carter for the love of his life. Yes, who is? Did you say Turgon? Turgon. Yeah. The daughter of Turgon, the evil chief. Yes. she And her name is Naya. Yes. I remember that for some reason. Probably because it's short. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Turgon's like, no, I'm not going to do that trade. I'm going to give you 500 gold. Or, or, actually I think it was only three, three. No, 300 gold. 500 gold was later. Yes. Uh, and you can either take it or die. Right, and at that point, I feel like, just kill the kid. Yeah, you know? seriously, if, like, he's willing to kill, why are you giving him gold at all? Right, if this is your negotiating tactic, take, you know, take a su- stupid amount of gold, or I kill you. It's like, just kill him. I mean, whatever. So anyway, he takes the gold. Right, he takes the gold. Carter is now the property of Turgon. Naya remains the property of Turgon, because although daughter... Women are property. And we cut to, what is it, Carter in the women's camp, I guess? No, not yet. Uh, oh, okay. We cut to our illustrious trekkers. Yes. And they stop to rest. Like one does when searching for a deeply cared for team member. And uh, Moogle lays out a rug for some reason that is just lying in front of them that they're not actually using. Maybe it's, I didn't notice the rug. Either time, I watch this. <laughs> like, it like, okay, so they say we're going to stop to rest, and then we right. cut to a, a rug on the ground, and they pan up to Moogle and Daniel. And they're, like, sitting in front of the rug. Nothing is pan. using the rug. Yeah, no, I totally missed the pan. Maybe there's a deleted <laughs> scene where they have a picnic. Could very well be. Or so Moogle anyway, praise? so they, they, talk to, they talk to Moogle. Yes. Uh, they discover that... Well, uh, women did fight with the Mongols back in the day. They don't anymore because they had to hide them from the demons, which right. we can all assume mean the Gould. The Gould, because if anybody's a demon, yeah, it's the Gould. Yeah. Then we cut back to Abu sneaking into the camp to talk to Naya, saying that right. he, they want to run away. And Naya's like, no, we'll die. He's like, nah, I listened to the wind. Yep. Everything will be super chill. I feel like the it's wind the would dank, always say that. It's their dank medicine, you see. <laughs> then we cut to Turgon asking Carter what she can do. I can kill a man, is what she says. Yeah, first he asks if she can cook, spin, weave, or make die, and she's like, nah, that ain't me. Right, I can make men die. Oh, uh, yes, no, no, she then says, you know, where I come from, I'm a warrior. So, 
which like I, I always seems strange from a perspective of 2017 to even hear the word warrior. Yeah. You know, I I, I get why like, it's being said and all that jazz, but just it sounds I feel like weird if she me. had said scientist, he'd been like, what? She could have said soldier. Maybe he would have understood that. Yeah. Scholar makes sense, and scholar doesn't sound weird to my ears, but like warrior in particular sounds weird to my ears. And then? And yeah, Turgan talks about how it's her destiny, the spirits have brought her here so that he can teach her how to be a woman. Right. Appreciate and then we cut to another gratuitous Carter cleavage shot. Yes. I think we're she's have... chopping fruit. Yes, I think we're we're gonna. I mean, I think he skipped over the one where he's where she's being inspected. I think we have one more to go. Yeah. Well, like the the camera never like stays on the cleavage when she was right. Being it just like doesn't usually this like one, start we have a, there. We have a slow pan up from the fruit. Then, like, for at least a second, pretty much the cleavage right in the middle of the frame, mm-hmm. and then up to her. Yeah, no point, no. Yeah. So, and then Naya drops the basket she's carrying and bursts into tears, because that's a thing. Yeah, I was really confused by that. It... It feels like that would have been a more appropriate thing to happen after she had the conversation with Abu. Yeah. But anyway, Sam takes advantage of this distraction to sneak out, grab a horse, and ride away. Yes. But there were dudes in the trees. And they whistle, and the horse is like, oh, right, you're my master. I'm going to, you know, throw off this rider. Yeah, what was what was that? It was weird, is what that was. I need that technology. <laughs> so then they grab Carter and bring her back to the camp. Right. And Turgan's like, you know, just because you ran away, I'm not going to punish the women who are supposed to be watching you. Incidentally, one of whom is my wife, I guess, we find out. Uh, it's all weird. Cause Naya says that Carter saved her mother's life, so maybe, maybe or maybe not. I get the impression Turgan has multiple wives. Well, yeah, sure. But, you know. Because Moogle is considered weird because he only has one. But then there's also the, you know, the forcible kiss thing because although he's, you know, the chief of a clan that has 22 allied tribes and he's super powerful and there's a society where women are double plus extra subservient to men and their property, he's still, I don't know, like the kissing thing was weird. He wants what he can't get. And he's willing to commit sexual assault. Well, I mean, thank goodness it stopped at that. So then we cut to Carter and Naya talking, well, spinning meat on a spit. Like you do. Yeah, sure. And Naya talks about how she loves her father and he's a powerful warlord and keeps his women safe. Yes. I mean, safe. And that... She has no choice. Uh, it's okay that he's packing her off to marry someone else because she has no choice. She's not free to choose. And Carter reveals the, well, where I come from, women are free to choose. What? I want to go to there. All right. Then we cut to our intrepid band of trackers who have finally come to the camp and are, like, you know, looking at the camp. Yes. And... And Moogle was like, no, you really shouldn't just, like, attack, because there will be war if you do. He has 22 
allied tribes. Right. So then they walk in to, you know, make a deal. We get the necessary shot of Carter peeking through the blanket and seeing them and smiling. Because she knows this will be all be over soon. So then Carter sets a fire so that Naya can escape. Yes. Which was, I don't know. feel like she could have perhaps communicated to her team to also Yeah, be like, no, you got to also get Naya free. Right, give him two extra bullets. I mean, she wasn't there for the negotiation. She didn't realize that the, you know, the pistol was what bought her out of slavery. But still. So they talk and they, they discuss some things. And the important thing here is at one point, Daniel says that Carter is a chieftain. Yes. And to me, I feel like all of this that he was saying, if anything would make the price just... You know, Turgon, who's already disinclined to part with Carter because she's possibly the most, you know, a, a singularly unique individual on this whole planet, being Caucasian and blonde-haired. Uh, when you then say, "Oh, well, she's our chieftain," and in our cult, you know, in our amongst our people, she can know when the weather's coming so we can plant good crops and of that nature. It's like, okay, the price just tripled. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so it seems like it's weird tack to take. Yeah, I would agree. So, so does, they, they should have said that she was cursed. But that will become important later. Yes. So then, like, Turgon's like, you have nothing that I want that I'd be willing to give up this, you know, beautiful woman I have now. Right. So Jack shoots something in the tent. He's mm-hmm. like, whoa, what is that? And he agrees to the gun. Yes, obviously. So then they leave before Turgon realizes that he can only shoot the clip and then we'll be out of bullets. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to them sitting at a campfire. And this is where they reference P3X595. Right, and yet another weird conversation between them and also apparently another instance where the only woman on the team etc yeah so then they fall asleep Mm -hmm. except teal because teal and uh abu rides up saying that they have to help him because they recaptured naya and see, this is why they should have just made a deal for Naya instead of setting the fire to let Naya. But anyway. Right. Anyway, they go back to... Oh, oh no, here was where there was the really ridiculous... They talk about how they could possibly uh, get Turgon to let Abu have Naya. And at one, and there's like, anything they do would be a war. But mm-hmm. then Turgon says, but what about... What about... Not Turgon. Uh, Abu. Abu says, what about laws? If we fight with laws, he cannot make war. Right. Which I have written down because that is the most ridiculous sentence I've ever heard in my life. I mean, really? The most ridiculous? One of, certainly. But, you know, on the other hand, for a society that feels that women are property, that is a surprisingly enlightened stance for them to take. Yeah, seriously. If we fight with law, we don't have to shed any blood. And then, and then, yes, uh, Moogle 
realizes that, yes, there is a law. Which I feel like every time Moogle realizes a law, he's just, like, pulling it out of somewhere. He's not oh, actually... Yeah, but these aren't really laws. He's just, like, making it up as he goes. I mean, he's pulling it out of his, you know, his hat. His giant hat, yes. I literally thought he was going to pull the law out of his hat. When they get back to Turgon's camp to say, aha, there is a law. Yeah, because he takes his hat off. He didn't take his hat off, and I thought he was reaching into it. Yeah, I thought, like, the the scroll of laws or whatever would be in there. And all I'm thinking is, like, they have writing? (laughs) (laughs) Also, he just carries the laws around with him? So, yeah, they reveal that um, the law says that a chieftain can fight a chieftain for it. For For And Turgon's all like, LOL, old man. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you because it would be dishonorable for me to fight you. But because like, you're a cripple. Because everything Turgon has done in this episode until now has been super honorable. He tells his daughter that he forgives her. Oh, that's true. He does right before he says to stone her. Right. <laughs> Again. Because remember, he's already like, okay, we're going to stone you now. Do you have anything to say for yourself? Okay, let's stone her now. So this is where it's like, oh wait, Carter's a chieftain. She can fight. Right. And I really wish that she had brought a gun to a chief fight, you know? So yeah, Carter's like there with her fists up and Turgon pulls out a, like, Jack says knife, but I feel like it's kind of small sword. Yeah, yeah, it's a short sword. Sure. But Carter's like, oh no, I have a knife too. It's fine. Well, of course. So... I have a problem with this scene in that, yes, as a captain in the U.S. Air Force, Carter would be trained in hand-to-hand combat. Yes. But. As a leader of a, you know, I feel like Turgon probably has more experience with this kind of thing. And Carter kind of defeats him really easily. So, I was thinking about that. And I was reminded of, you remember from Captain America the first Avenger, how mm-hmm. Captain America solves most of, his, most of his problems by punching people. Yes. Sometimes kicking people, and obviously always the throwing of the shield. Yeah. But there's not a whole lot of nuance to it or anything. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to Captain America 2, where he's like parkouring off of things all over that ship, the Meridian Star, to take down the baddies. Because he's been introduced to modern fighting techniques. Mm, I see where you're going with this. That being said, Turgon is a tribal chief who has managed to survive to the ripe old age of who cares. And won the allegiance of 23 tribes. 22 tribes. He had to buy the allegiance of the 23rd. That's right. And won the allegiance of 22 tribes. Yeah, no, Car- no, no. I'm okay with Carter winning. I'm just yes. saying it shouldn't have been so easy for her to win. Uh, yeah, because I, I feel like... You know, I would allow for it to be easy for her to get first blood because he's like, oh, a woman. Right, sure. But then I feel like, especially after having been blooded, that he'd be like, oh, no. And just try to use the brute strength against her, which we barely see. But we don't come to Stargate for the realistic fight scenes. That's like, you know, going to original series Star Trek for realistic fight scenes, for crying out loud. I feel like Stargate has the upper hand on that one. Stargate totally, uh, 100% has the upper hand on that one, but it was like the singular most ridiculous other sci-fi show I could think of. If for no other reason, at least all the blows aren't telegraphed 30 seconds ahead. <laughs> right. 
So then Carter has, because having people at knife point is like a, a common motif in this episode. Carter yes. makes him swear to let let Naya go at knife point, and there won't be war and all that. Right. Yay. So then we cut to Moogle asking them to stay for the six-day wedding, and they're like, cool, but no. Right. Sorry. I've got a thing. And then they've got the dramatic reveal of ta- taking down the tents that separate the women's section, and the women pulling out their veils, and Moogle being like, for you, Sam, we are our women are now free. Uh, yeah, and I still feel like you were the chief. You already felt you this way. Done the, especially since you were like, you said in the beginning that you wish this will, you like, yeah, you could have done this a long time ago. That reminds me of the one time when I was living at your house and you said something about, well, if I had my druthers, it would be done such and such a way. And it's like, it's your house, man. Have your druthers and eat them too. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're the chief of the tribe, Moogle. Just be like, yeah, you know, these old laws suck. And then we get Teal'c at the end saying, what is an Oprah? Yes. Teal'c, other than the misshapen hoof print, not a strong Teal'c episode. Really not. I don't even think there was an Indeed this episode. There was no Indeed this episode. Which no is Indeed, fitting. no Walter this episode kind of sucked. Right, you know, which is fitting because also I, neither of us dropped an Indeed, other than all these times that we're saying it now. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, that doesn't count. <laughs> so one thing that I thought about while watching this episode, especially at the end where there's the fight to the death, um, this episode, season one, episode four of Stargate SG-1, has a lot in common with season one, episode four of Star Trek The Next Generation, an episode called Code of Honor, okay. in which they encounter a... Uh, planet where women are considered property and Tasha Yar has to fight for the death to the death to save her life. Another blonde woman. Yes. Thankfully, Stargate SG one actually did it better. Really? Because yeah. And this episode was far from a strong episode, but at least it didn't go full racist. The next generation episode, it was a plant planet of primitive jungle black people. Ah, yes. I don't know if there's any good way of handling that. Especially if it's the same episode as, and they capture the blonde white woman. Yep. Oh no, it got worse. In that one, um, it wasn't, uh, they captured the blonde white woman because the chief, you know, wants her. And then she had to fight to the death to the chief's spurned wife because she was jealous of her. Of course. So, yeah, no, as bad as Stargate SG-1 Season 1 is, right? not as bad as Next Generation Season 1. Well, it does come, what, ten years later? Exactly. Ish? Actually. Exactly ah. ten years later. Nice. I get some things right. Yeah. Right, yeah, so, you know, so Next Generation came out 30 years ago. Yes, it did. I'm not old. I'm about as old as Next Generation, so there. <laughs> You're older than next generation. So there. Not the planning meetings. That's true. Uh yeah, no, all in all definitely not uh one of my favorite episodes. Um Season one know, has a few of those. Season one had a few of those. Uh Wow. Emancipation though. 
this is rough. I am. I'm glad to see that past Thad definitely had the right idea when he always skipped this episode. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I don't. I don't regret skipping it every time that I did. And you know, I would see the first few moments, basically, like, basically like the kid being chased by a dog. Like, oh, this one next. Yeah, pretty much. Although, yeah. So next week we will have the broken divide. Yes. Uh, you know, so we will discuss that. You can find us on Twitter once we start tweeting on the Twit Machine at Stargate Weekly. We also have a website. Our website is StargateWeekly.com. That's right. We secured .com. Because we're super cool. No, it's just because none of the cool people had already thought about having StargateWeekly.com. No, no, because we're cool. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, no, wait, that's, this isn't YouTube. Uh, <laughs> you know, by all means, subscribe and leave us uh, a rating in Apple Podcasts, since it's no longer iTunes Podcasts. Um... Although, if you're like me, you don't use the Apple Podcast app, so you don't leave ratings. I mean, or, you can... Or reviews. You can still leave ratings and reviews. It's so much work. I respect it. I, I You know, like, I, I respect the laziness of any of our listeners who are like, yeah, no. Uh, Subscribing I mean, honestly, is enough. No, I'm not gonna... No, I... Like, and if you want to give us a review, absolutely, that's great. Because reviews help a podcast get noticed. But, yeah, no, I have never reviewed a single podcast, so I'm okay if you don't. Right. Okay, so I'd say that's it for for this episode. Thanks for sticking in there. (laughs) Just like we did when we watched it. Absolutely. Twice. The things we do for you, dear listeners.